This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. Hey, so very excited to do our Thanksgiving pod especially because I watched my first ever episode of Gummer Girls, which I'll be giving you my hot takes. Be prepared. Uh, but first, we're going to launch into the news. I know everyone's getting tired of hearing about the pulled shows, but there are more pulled shows to talk about. Um, Everyone Else Burns and Run the Burbs, which did run from 9 to 10 on the CW, have been pulled from the Thursday schedule. There's no word on whether or not they'll be put back at any point. They'd only gotten to air three episodes each. Um, Everyone Else Burns literally had just started its um, run on the CW while Run the Burbs was in the middle of its season two. It's not looking great out here, but at this point, I think the CW is just trying to get to 2024. Mm-hmm. And everyone else Burns was renewed, right? Ahead yeah. of being of the premiere, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Right? When when that happens, you're all automatically like, oh, are we taking a risk here? Do we know anything? It's different if it's a show that's proved popular when it's coming back for its second season, it's renewed for a third or something like that. But we had no idea how the show was going to land on the CW. And like, I love seeing the globalization of Channel 4 sitcoms. It's wonderful because I know what Channel 4 sitcoms are like. So I was kind of rooting for the show to do well. But on the same week that Superman at Lois, the network's most watched show, was ending, we renewed everything else burns before it even aired. And now, what, two, three weeks later, it's been pulled after a couple of episodes. I know all those are completely separate situations, but the optics are not good, people. They're not. I'm not really understanding what's going to happen with it. Uh, that there's no idea whether it's going to end up on CWTV.com and the CW app to finish their runs or not. Whether this is a, um, a killer camp situation where what we're, it's not working in the fall, so we're going to try to do it in the summer. Uh, I mean, maybe it could work in the summer after the original slate finishes, or I guess keeps running with Superman and Lois mm-hmm. season four running through the summer, but. I don't know. I mean, more power to them. We didn't know whether Run of the Burbs season three was going to run on the CW anyway. They got renewed in Canada, but that didn't necessarily mean it was going to air on the CW. Everyone else burns. I mean, season two could come our way. Season two might not come our way. Not that we're particularly invested like as a pod, but it's just weird <laughs> for, for the network to continue to keep doing this. Mm, very weird. And I guess maybe they're sizing it up against the likes of like Family Law, which was doing, what, five times the viewership of everyone else burned. So I assume Family Law will be back for its already renewed third season whenever the time comes. I keep bringing that show up because it really turned into like the little show that could. Season one did decent numbers, but season two did so well for them. So I guess they're just looking, Next Star CW is just looking for their own version of that. And I get sad, I don't know if everyone else burns is going to be it. Mm-hmm. No, but thankfully we will be getting the shows that we are actually interested in back come 2024. We did get news when filming is supposed to start. So All American is start is going to start in December as, in terms of filming. And All American Homecoming is going to start filming in January. Superman and Lois is the only one that actually has a like a, a filming window. And that's January 11th to April 22, 22. Wow. April 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> uh which, I mean, that does also confirm that we're likely not going to get Superman Lois season four um, at the start of April, like we're supposed to be getting the other shows. It's not surprising. Uh, I wonder if they're going to hold it till May or even June, though. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll film it all at once and wait to air it, or do you think they'll start airing it in like March while they're like mid filming? I think the old CW would have done that. As someone who's dying to see new episodes of Superman at most, I honestly don't care if they hold the whole thing because we do not want to repeat of the show's journey over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. I didn't factor that in. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't complete the equation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do think we will. They will hold it. I mean, because there's will. It could be their next big tentpole since if the reporting does hold All-American, All-American Homecoming, and Walker will all debut in April, so they'll need to hold something to really give some oomph to the summer if they wanted to have like a big summer schedule of any kind. Walker is the only one that where there wasn't an announcement on when it's supposed to be filming. It was also the only show, though, that, that we knew had the writer's room open. We suspected it was Superman and Lois and All-American and All-American Homecoming because of just different writer's cuts, but there was no confirmation. So I just... It's weird that it doesn't have a s- announced schedule for the start of filming, but it does take place in Austin, Texas. I don't know if they're going to try to hold it until January anyway. Mm-hmm. I just all this conversation, I have to say, CW is starting to feel like CW again, and it might be the last time we can say that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Bring it on. Yes. I do want more news. I complained about yeah. this in our company Slack. I just want news <laughs> that's not sports related and has something to do with the other shows that are supposed to be coming. This is just a I plug. want like a what? premiere date for what's my show that I was screaming about? What's it called? Sight un- Wait, not Sight Unseen. Wild Cards. Yeah, wild Cards. I need it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they could drop the news at some point. Just at least tell us they're filming right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I have to go stock CBC. (laughs) Get that intel. Yes. Moving into our Thanksgiving special, though, we're going to kick it off with Gossip Girl, Where Waldorf Must Pie. Um, I tried watching it during, like, my scheduled set of work hours for tuning into the things I need to watch for the pod or for for Hidden Remote. I had to pause it because it's not background of background mm-hmm. watching i was laughing too much i was like i need to actually write for work so let me just wait <laughs> until uh i get off work to watch it and it did not disappoint i just really really love this episode it is i love this episode so much and i know everyone loves the season three thanksgiving i think it's season three the one with the jason derulo song and everyone's like at dinner and it's awkward i'm sorry season one far superior and that is i will fall on that sword die on that hill all the things i think this episode <laughs> is so good just like all around yeah and guys i really have to be thankful that y'all didn't pick the season three one because you know i never made it to season three um i have seen the first two seasons and when you watch something a decade ago binge it it all kind of blurs together this was one of the episodes i really really remembered and i don't think in my head i realized it was the thanksgiving episode but yeah wow full of drama the perfect kind of holiday themed episode you could have asked for um there's a reason i remembered it after all these years and like you said just perfect all around mm-hmm. although i do want to give a bit of a trigger warning just for anyone who's like never seen the episode we will be discussing blair and her bulimia mm-hmm. and we will be discussing nate archibald's father's suicide attempt Uh, especially because I also have to ask about what exactly was going on with the Dutch banking situation because I did not remember and I was very confused. (laughs) His dad was doing something sketchy and I think he realized he couldn't get away with it maybe. I don't know. That like subplot was like real subplot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It was like 
always like the least interesting thing happening because like when they kept cutting to Nate being sad I was like this isn't that interesting I'm sorry Nate love you so much (laughs) (laughs) but it's like the fourth most interesting thing happening in this episode (laughs) it's just I was was like is it embezzlement did we steal from the Dutch what did we do it's like it's that thing I I feel like this happens a lot in the teen dramas there's always a dad that kind of was like being sketchy with money and their business like marissa's dad in the oc that was he, yes i something was happening there um and yeah okay well sorry to that man but the archibalds are like the um the vanderbilts so it was kind of not funny i did feel bad for him and she's like i can just write you a check come sit down at the thanksgiving table i was like oh ma'am so dismissive yeah. i do feel really to. bad for nate though because he's going through that on his own and bleak light right? he, he has no siblings it's just him fighting for his life mm-hmm. yeah it's time himself feel... eating dry turkey it's just it but i mean sad. i wish i could tell him give it a few more seasons you'll be running a newspaper for no reason <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one unhappy i mean they were all kind of unhappy in different ways but they, there was also like the joy and representation of family and community and then um having people there for you uh, I think, I mean, after coming out of Tarzan, where Leighton Meester was not used at basically at all um, in watching this episode, and I was like, there's my girl. There she is running circles hey, around and everybody. Her element. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cooked from beginning to end. <laughs> she did. And she was making that, like, I, I'm sure it was super expensive, but like baby doll dress work too. Those headbands were whew, iconic. Just the best. I will say watching the episode, though, as an adult and remembering that in the flashback, they're supposed to be 15. I was like, why is why is her father think it's funny that Shireen is drunk in the house? Yeah. Not funny. Like, I just water her down. (laughs) It's one of the that's one of the like, okay, I'll get into it. I know I'm on record saying that I don't like flashbacks. But I think that's just like when that's a consistent storytelling device that's something that i don't like i'm very much a fan of a linear plot like mm-hmm. just i don't care just keep me on the straight and narrow i don't care what happened in the past <laughs> um but i think this episode used the device so well to contrast where they were a year ago to how it's different now and and i think that's why i like this episode so much more than season three although i, I keep saying that and i really haven't watched the season three one that much so i could be totally off base but whatever i'll be biased this episode like there's so much drama and there's so much plot happening but there's almost always such character work mm-hmm. in this first season in this episode it's really from a place of character from each um story especially with blair like she starts off as the queen bee who's just really mean and we get to really see the things that she hides from the world like her relationship with her mother the way she talks to her and makes her feel and how she reacts to that and how she takes it out on herself it's just a lot and i think it's just really well done in this mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. Yeah, i agree because the episode had a lot to juggle like we just said there were like three or four plots present day plots running at the same time and then you had this like subplot of like the flashback narrative as well and the contrast worked really well, and not just because of the blue filter on the flashbacks, but like I it, loved it. So did I. <laughs> it, really, it was really helpful for me. Um, but like it worked really well because like Blur is a good example because 
she does have that kind of like she's like a more sharp Fallon Carrington at the start just like uh, turning on people at, uh, uh, for no reason and you say actually no wait there is a reason behind it and the contrast between the present day and the past really worked because you saw what her Thanksgiving last year was like in that how warm it was how familial it was how her mother was like a completely different person whereas this year it was all very prim and proper we have guests coming for thanksgiving you're not getting the food or your your dad's pie you're not getting what you want and we never even got to know who the other characters at the table were they were just there it was very old-fashioned very cold compared to the warmth of the flashbacks and i thought that contrast worked so well which is kind of ironic that the flashbacks were tinted in that kind of blue cold color because you got far more warmth from them at least for blur's storyline than you did in the present yeah and serena too to jump back to what you were saying serena about her being drunk i thought blake was so good in those mm-hmm. flashbacks mm-hmm. she was as difficult as it was to see serena in that like destructive state where she was a year prior blake seemed like she had a lot of fun <laughs> she did and it was like slightly funny but not in when you like peel back the layer of like oh she it's funny it's like yeah oh, but it's not <laughs> i think there's also a nuance to it that i could get overlooked you know just because like lively is so funny in in the moment that it is there's something insidious right about mm-hmm. a 15 year old who is so unhappy that she gets drunk um, on the holidays and the only one to take care of her really is another 15 year old is her best yeah. friend like the adults like they're kind of laughing it off or another adult's hiding it the fact that we're hiding it from her mom um we're like she did need a bath but like even with the scenes being cute and and seeing into their world it's it's sad it is. that that that's that she's in order to make herself happy during the holidays, she has to get drunk. And that's the only way she's going to be a bubbly person to keep the bubbly facade that she has. And, and then, but to see the friendship between Blair and Serena, where they always take care of each other, scathing insults toward one another. But when oh they meet gosh. each other, they are there for each other. <laughs> they said some real nasty stuff to each other in this <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> but like at the drop of the hat, I don't, I don't think it's aspirational though, to Mm-mm. speak that way to your best friend and then be like, I need you. And then you're like right there with, for her. I don't think that's the aspirational part. I, I, I don't don't speak like that to your best friends, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is sweet that they can always count on each other, and they know like the world stops, mm-hmm. no matter what's happening mm-hmm. in their lives. And it, that was kind of like a full circle moment as well, because the flashback showed that Blur was there for Serena. But in the present day, Serena was there for Blur. So it's like no matter what, they're always going to be there for each other, and that's why it was kind of pivotal that the whole storyline kind of escalated from their original conflict when they argued in that first scene together. You're like, oh, come on now. Why would you say that? And then suddenly they were uninvited and it just kind of spiraled out of there. But you did see through thick and thin, they'll always have each other's back. I do agree, Reed. Yes, that's not probably not the healthiest friendship relationship, but like (laughs) they're always there for each other nonetheless. Um, And if you take anything away from this episode, from from both of the past and present arcs, I think it can be that. For sure. I think also they handled the adults really well, too, in terms mm-hmm. of their drama and the nuance in it. Um, and that even by the, the end of the episode, we understand 
what Blair's mom is going through. And then we get the triangle too. And the unexpected triangle. Poor Dan just wanted to make sure that Serena got to the Thanksgiving dinner, even invite Lily, who I, if I remember correctly, he cannot stand, who cannot stand him, to dinner. I want to find out uh, his father and Lily had been together when they were younger, which, Reed, didn't you say you wanted the spinoff? Yes. Um, yes. Season two, there's the backdoor pilot prequel. Um, I don't, it was, yeah, it was Rufus and Lily's love story, I think. Yeah. Or no, yeah, was it? I think so. I think Serena's dad was also supposed to be in it too. Hmm. I don't know. It would have been, it would have been great. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's been 20 years and we are still walking by bridges talking about the, the aftermath (laughs) of that whole situation. I was like, as a, oh, it was that delicious. It was that good and dramatic that we're still talking about it 20 years later. Oh my God, but the the awkwardness of the dinner conversation when Jenny's describing, was it the song lyrics or like the perfume yeah, or something? Rosewood. And then everyone's like, oop, that wasn't about, that's not mom. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong mom. <laughs> <laughs> the slow realization too. And, and why are you being weird? Well, honey. One thing we yep. didn't tell you while we were cutting into the turkey is that we know each other. And the whole, um, I'm such a fool thing. Uh, you know the way on TV people whisper and there's someone right beside them, but of course they didn't hear it. I was like, are they having this conversation privately? And they know what cut to the children and they could actually hear what they were saying. <laughs> and you're Dan's smart comment. If you're over 30 and acting weird, raise your hand. They're very clever, very clever. I love it. I think this is when holiday episodes really worked, when there's a drama. And we see this in the Gilmore Girls one, which we'll get to, when there's a drama at the table and it just kind of explodes and spirals beyond that. I thought that was very, very effective. Um, Because I remember when Dan invited Lily, I was like, I've seen this before. And there's some kind of mess here involving the parents, isn't there? Yeah, that's exactly what I predicted. And wow, did it come out at dinner. <laughs> it did. It did. I enjoyed it so much. I um, I know Rufus chose uh, his wife uh, at the end. Well, are they still married? Are we? What are we? What are it's they doing? Really con- it's confusing because she moved to Hudson, which is out of the city. And but a few episodes ago, because I have been like... Um, watching season one of Gilmore or Gossip Girl. I say watching with air quotes because it's like been on in the background or like on when I take a nap. <laughs> but there's a few episodes ago where he calls her and a man picks up and he's like, oh, well, okay. I don't know. The whole Humphrey family dynamic is confusing to me and I feel like she doesn't last much longer. Okay. Well, she can't possibly because she gave him an ultimatum and he did choose her. And I was like, ma'am, if you're still concerned that he's in love with her 20 years later, and he's clearly giving, I'm still in love with her 20 years later faces toward Lily and to you as he's feeling well, guilty did about it. A few episodes ago when um, they couldn't find Jenny and Eric's the little Vanderwood's in. I think it, they thought that Jenny had broken Eric out of the um, facility where he was staying and they couldn't track their kids down. So Lily goes to Rufus's loft and they end up like cooking spaghetti together and having a moment. <laughs> and I'm like, I know those feelings bubbled up for Rufus, but he's still slightly down bad for the wife. I think it just takes a minute to sever those ties to like realize like, oh, she's, I don't think, 
Allison's her name. I don't think she's as in it as she puts on. Okay. I don't think no. she, I, yeah, I don't know. I, not her having a dramatic seems, moment during the episode, but then not really being in it. That dramatic moment is what I have on the outline. So I'm going to get to it. Um, we haven't talked cinematography in a hot minute, <laughs> <laughs> but I, when I think it's toward the end when it's Rufus and Lily and Allison all like going back and forth, the camera style changes to handheld and it like, it's they put so much energy into the scene via the the camera they like cut and you could tell the cameraman was like right there just like moving i have to say i didn't like the direction in the scene i did not like that it changed the mm -hmm. visual language of the show and i don't think the dialogue maintained the energy necessary to keep that Mm -hmm. that handheld going because i was like this is not the west wing <laughs> like <laughs> there was a, like halfway into that scene it like the necessity for the, the handheld stopped because we're like focused on allison and the the monologue she's delivering turned a little bit saccharine and not like i don't know i think mm -hmm. i might be picking picking it apart too much but it took me out of the the moment when i realized like what are they doing with the camera <laughs> I love yeah. these moments in iPod, though. Yeah. Because then we get, to, we get to talk film studies. What were you going to say, Michael? I was going to say, do you think it took away from it or just added nothing to it? I probably should have said that in the other order. Do you think it added nothing to it or actually took away from it? I mean, it's not at the end. Of, it's not a big, that big of a deal. But it's just a choice that I clocked. And I was like, huh. It was only successful for like a few seconds, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I see that though. See, I did enjoy it, but I'm replaying it in my mind right now. And I'm trying to remember, did I enjoy it just at the beginning though? Because I was like, oh, because it, it really put a lot of energy into the it back. Did. It's like a ping pong match between the three of them. And then it just like focuses on one of them. And I'm like, we don't need shaky camera for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't, it's like the only scene in the episode that has that, which is why it really caught my attention. They really wanted to say something, but I don't know if the full composition of that scene required that mm -hmm. i think it i think it's a very ambitious and i love that they did that i think it's great but perhaps we should have punched up the entire scene to fit that energy and to fit that, mm -hmm. that so moment. you think the slowdown wasn't worth it though like when we did just focus on allison and whatever she had to say the way we come out of the spiral just doesn't work yeah. Mm. yeah food for thought i'll be chewing on this for a while for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's true though because i think um and i know a lot of people just watch and they're, they're not really thinking about the cinematography of a scene or the way in which the camera helps tell the story but it's a good thing to point out because it is like the lone moment you're right where we do get something a little different a little spicier than what we've been getting because that's a lot of medium close-ups and watching people walk away in, in the episode. I've seen this meme going around where like Serena always has to leave. And it happened in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of dinner, she's like, I have to go. I can't tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of cinematography, by the way, can I just say how wonderful it was to see like a teen drama that looked kind of expensive that mm -hmm. you saw in New York City. We weren't, it wasn't another city doubling for it. 
Um, it wasn't Vancouver. Um, we didn't see those typical buildings, buildings that you see in all the uh, CW shows these days or of the previous generation. Um, it looked great and it just, it looked expensive. It looked rich. That, that last scene is yeah, what always gives me chills of the Humphreys playing football under the Brooklyn Bridge, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I know that costed a pretty penny to like close whatever park that is for the day that they filmed there. But that scene in conjunction with that Vanessa Carlton song, Nolita Fairy Tale at the end, is why I love this episode. <laughs> like the montage hits and that song is like perfectly bittersweet and fits the tone of the show so well. Mm-hmm. I just I love it. I love when the music supervisor just snaps. Yeah. They, just, they did it. I love it. <laughs> they don't do it on TV enough anymore. I also no. feel like it foreshadows a bit i feel like the moment like the precious moment between the humphreys while watching it, i was like i know i've seen the rest of the episodes for this season so i know it doesn't last but there's yeah. just something when you're sitting there <laughs> if you had never you know seen the rest of the season you're watching you're like part of this just feels like because of the song that it is a fairy tale and like the the dream that they're living in right now where the family is united is gonna fizzle out Temporary. Beautiful moment between them. It does feel very temporary. I also felt like the it's a nice point of not de-evolution, but like much of the episode is about growth and change. And then for the Humphreys, it's about coming back to what was. And you just feel like everything is about growth and change. And those that family is coming up back to what was it can't possibly last. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just playing the charade, trying to back on. It's sad, but it's sweet. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Bittersweet. Hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yes. To zero in on ships real quick though. Um I just feel like as the person who loves Serena Nate, I was like, oh, the baiting. Like just the way in which Serena gets a phone call. And you're like, is she gonna be the one to go help Nate? Because at the same time, Nate just leaves his his house. And then um, if you were a shipper of them at the time, the disappointment when realizing he's sitting sad in some New York park wearing a suit he doesn't need to be in. Just not <laughs> unsure, like unsure of who to call. Where is Siri? Does it need to be? <laughs> Where is he going? Oh, so funny. <laughs> there's a lot of ship work, and there's you've got a lot on the burners. You got Blair and Chuck, although Chuck is not in the episode. Mm-hmm. He's not. No. Breath of fresh air. Sorry. <laughs> um, we got Serena and Dan. We got Serena and Nate. Blair and Nate, there's like so much happening here. <laughs> wasn't there, maybe this was the episode before, but wasn't, I think I'm getting my episodes mixed up. Jenny and Nate had some situation happening. I think this was the episode before. Oh, probably. I remember I did not, like going back, flashing back to that. I was like, absolutely not. I'm waiting for Serena yeah. and Nate. No, thank you. They really were like, Nate's not busy. Should we try him with this? And it's like, we did too much with Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Let him relax. Uh, And then, of course, Dan and Serena, which, spoiler alert, I'm not actually a Darina person. I don't care for them. It's it's, it's the whole um, dream girl situation. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Okay. I did say that I like the flashbacks, but the one part that I did not like, because I don't know if it's retcon or not, but when he meets her, a year prior in a flashback i know they knew each other but like that meet cute moment at the taxi she doesn't know who he is anyway but she's also drunk and i'm like do we really need to fabricate another meet cute for these two yeah i hate that's another that's a it's a it's a real pet peeve of mine when shows do that when i'm like we've established the beginning of this relationship we don't need a flashback to some moment that you created to further this narrative 
Yeah. And I know that's a hot take. Mm-mm. So I'm, I apologize to those who need to be apologized to, but I, just really, <laughs> I can't stand those kinds of flashbacks. Yeah. And it never dawned on me when watching it. Cause again, it's been a long time since I've had the knowledge, but I know I'm with you on that completely. I hate that so much. I'm pretty sure Arrow did it. So many other shows did it where you see the couple meet for the first time and they don't feel a certain way about each other. But it turns out that like six years beforehand, one of them actually met the other one beforehand and developed feelings way back then. And it, 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 like if you have to do more to make your story work, it doesn't really line up for me. But the eye. thing is, it, like it already worked. Like they've already exactly. had so many moments. This is the ninth episode and they're, I think they've already slept together, I want to say. Like they've had so many moments and I'm like, I may not be the biggest fan of their relationship, but I'm on board. Like you mm-hmm. got me. You yeah. did. You hit all the no- the right notes. Like, I don't need a flashback <laughs> to a year ago. We understand that Serena didn't know who he was. Like we got it. <laughs> we got that he was pining for her. Duh. Like we got it. I don't know. That's just a, a pet peeve. No, I feel you. Bones did it. Uh, and it's, I mean, one of the best episodes they'd ever done, truly, like, but think about the context of the rest of the show, finding out that Booth and I was going to say spoiler, but y'all, it's been out for a really long time. I'm so <laughs> it's sorry. It's seasons. I'm not watching it. <laughs> if, if you're listening or watching and you haven't finished Bones, just mute me for a second. Um, so like they, you find out they actually had been on another case together before. Like their first case, they were kind of into each other, and they they had a moment, but and they, they didn't magically. Yeah, they had they had, <laughs> they had a moment. It just didn't didn't go anywhere. They didn't hop on to the moment. She goes off in like a yellow taxi, and so then when you um, get to them in the present day, Booth decides that he's going to finally bite the bullet and confess his love, and he reminds her. Of of what what almost happened and that what they should have done what he should. But have did done. that happen in the same episode? Yes, because they were telling their therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle it when it it's like oh I need to tell you this information that the audience and myself didn't know until this very moment. I'm like no. <laughs> <laughs> and they have this beautiful heartbreaking moment. I think are they at the Lincoln Memorial? <laughs> They might, I can't remember. It's somewhere at one of the monuments in DC. And it was just so sad because she rejects him because she's scared. And then they oh. go, they go off to, he goes to war and she goes to, um, to go exhibit something. What is she doing? Oh, an excavation. She's going to an excavation and they promise that they're going to meet back at this cart and they'll talk about, you know, their feelings and maybe they can start a relationship. But then he comes back in the opening of season six with a girlfriend. Uh, terrible season just, <laughs> just <laughs> awful it was the beginning, beginning of the end for me they, they and it was only halfway through I was going to say that <laughs> <laughs> have not been back since the end of season 6 Ooh, that show lived so many lives apparently for no reason really could have cut it shorter than that sorry sorry people who love Bones I love Bones seasons 1 through 5 and that is where I stop and sometimes we need to end the show ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. As for Gossip Girl, though, um, one last point. And I am, I feel like I'm saying sorry a lot. At this point, I'm not really sorry about it. I like the Gossip Girl revival for what it was, but I know that people got tired of everyone arguing. We might have even said at the same time, stop arguing about the the, the new show, that it's, we all know it's not going to touch the original, but it really is not going to touch the original. I felt much happier and fulfilled watching this episode than I watched a single episode of the revival. 
I think it doesn't mm-hmm. take itself as seriously on um for yeah. Gossip Girl, the original, than it does for the revival. The revival bless them. They had a lot to do and many things to say, but they weren't doing a lot. It's funny because I feel like the same level of drama was in the revival, but they just it just it wasn't handled in with the same finesse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's me trying to like in live in real time put that play <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's just network tv that sometimes the uh, restrictions of network tv holds things back or whatever but yeah the original gossip girl could definitely go crazy when it wanted to be but it still felt like there was a semblance of sense in it, a lot of the stuff that happened whereas i remember we would talk about how the new one kind of just felt like a lot of the stuff was happening for no reason it would just spiral out of control from time to time and i did love the character so much like at the last time i watched the show was less than a year ago and um, when we were all talking about it the last time um, and I'm very familiar with them. However, I'm not familiar with the new or the original Gossip Girl characters for about a decade. And yet, as soon as I started that episode that awakened all the feelings I had back then, I remember how much I loved those characters. I remember how into the story I was. And it was like, maybe I'll finally start season three now. So like the fact that a show can do that a decade later, it just, I don't know whether you can call Gossip Girl a product of its time, but the original just out of the stars aligned so much for it in a way that I just don't feel like they aligned for the second series as much as i did love the new version of it i'll say it a million times there's something to be said about keeping a television show episode to a tight 42 minutes Mm -hmm. this episode accomplished so much Mm -hmm. and i never felt like i was being left behind by like the pacing of how much they were accomplishing whereas some of these newer shows run longer and it feels like they're doing a lot and i'm like are they doing as much as a broadcast show stuff's in an episode? I don't know. Food for thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the answer is no, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's a lot of stagnant shots of characters, a fun dialogue that go- doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I really did enjoy the revival for what it was. I tried to treat it as a standalone yeah. show, um, but there were many points within it in which it came off very shallow. And I don't mean shallow in all it cared about was like the super rich and like the products we were seeing and the beautiful dresses. Shallow in the sense of character and development and storytelling. A lot of times it just felt like we were being shocking to be shocking. Mm-hmm. And then you'd get this really poignant, beautiful moment between the characters or a beautifully shot moment in which someone's reacting to something. And then we'd go right back to um, people talking to each other talk. And that that was about it. It was very stylized in a way that I enjoyed. But as far as the storytelling, it hit or missed a lot. It's wild that how much the original accomplished in nine episodes, like how well we know these characters in their lives and I feel like the same really can't be said mm-hmm. and this would be the penultimate episode of season one for the revival yeah yeah <laughs> oh, oh well <laughs> to, to go back to the broadcast element I agree I feel like 
you know the way network TV tends to have running themes in all of its storylines. I mean, I was younger, I didn't get this, but like the Thanksgiving episode, a lot of the characters were going through similar things, just their own versions of it. Every storyline had a theme and the Thanksgiving theme pulls together. You don't see that an awful lot in streaming TV these days. So every, in the revival of Gossip Girl, everything was just happening. Maybe the subplots didn't go with the main plot. It was just a lot of it felt directionless, whereas the restrictions of broadcast television where everybody has to kind of experience similar journeys and similar storylines. It made the original feel a lot tighter than the new one did. Mm-hmm. That's the magic of TV. Yes, yeah. it is. It truly is. Though I will say that the revival's Thanksgiving episode doesn't. Mm. Yes, it does. Episode. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I'll give that to them. Yeah, great. But watching this episode, I was like, Blake and Layton truly were the founding mothers of the CW. Like, yeah. <laughs> mothers were mothering. <laughs> Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, the nostalgia. It really was so great. It made me miss that era of the CW back when it was teen dramas. Not that I didn't love the superhero era. Superhero era is gorgeous. And the Supernatural one was what it was. I'm not talking about Supernatural, the show, by the way, y'all don't come for me. I'm talking about the era of witches and vampires yeah. <laughs> that we're doing on the show. Uh, but moving into Gilmore Girls, uh, this again, this was my first Gilmore Girls episode. And I do want to preface my opinion slash hot takes I'm on <laughs> <laughs> by saying um, love that everyone else loves it. Truly do. Everything is not for everybody. And I... And part of the everybody that did not enjoy Gilmore Let's Girls. Let's get into it. Give me reasons. I think, and it might just be this episode because of the speed that it has to take place in because they have a lot of stops to make. But it felt like they were, it was very, um, what you could be lying here. Now I got to talk to somebody else. What you could be lying here. It, and this person, this person, this person, I'm talking to you. And then we're moving on. I felt like it was an exercise in how to, stuff a lot of content into sentences that move at a breakneck speed. It's like West Wing, but small town. And I enjoy West Wing, but I also enjoy politic, political dramas. Mm, yeah, I don't mm. think you would like the rest of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the, what I I feel like, um, not even jumping off of what you just said, but addressing like largely, I feel like the misconceptions of this show, again, not addressing what you just said right directly, but I think there are some even fans of the show that take it a bit too seriously. And I'm constantly the one that reminds people like, this is a comedy. It's an hour long comedy with drama. (laughs) And even watching this episode last night, I'm like, this really feels like it's part animated cartoon. Like it could be a cartoon, but it also feels like theater, like a stage play. Like that's kind of like some of the sensibilities that are in wrapped up in the show. And I'm not doing a direct comparison either way. I'm just saying this episode really gave me those feelings that I've always felt about the tone and the language and the movement of the show. So I feel like a lot of people, even fans, I'm saying don't 
fully understand like what this show is it's they see like mother-daughter ships and i'm like it's so much more though it's like comedy and i don't know does that make sense michael i know you've watched the show before <laughs> yeah 100 and as someone who did fall dramatically in love with it when i watched it, it is, it's weird looking back on it now because i always say that i've I said this exact same thing about Buffy when I do the rewatch I never make it this far into it because life happens but like it's weird watching it now when it's such a like well-oiled machine by the time it gets to this episode and it, it watching it back to back with the Gossip Girl Thanksgiving episode is really really odd it's an unusual show um, and, but I do like what you said Reed. it does lean more into comedy than drama it is a dramedy but it tends to lean on the uh, e part more than the dra of that word um, because at the end of the day I think dialogue is Gilmore Girls' greatest weapon. Not an awful lot happens in some of the episodes, but yet those episodes are an experience. Exactly. Those episodes are an experience because of the dialogue, because of the most unusual things that happened. Like the Kirk subplot with the cat. Accomplished nothing. Exactly. Really, this episode moves the story forward 0%, really. There's the only things that like happen that are connected to the overall arc of the season is... Rory and Jess and um, I don't even know if I want to well Rory and Yale that whole situation at dinner even though that's less about that and more just like a continuation of Lorelai's complicated feelings about her parents that's a through line through the whole series so I'm like they really like I've seen this episode so many times and I love it and last night watching it through a different eye because we're gonna we're talking about it I'm like this episode accomplishes very little <laughs> but i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that is interesting though because like um you both know i am not a comedy girly i will fresh chuckle at a comedy really will do that and i'll fall off immediately i love my drama the minute i came alive was when they started fighting at the table um because <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's just like my bread and butter that's what i enjoy i think uh, when it comes to like standalones and you say in comedies are really like that, you could you can go through swaths of episodes where there's character development, maybe there's not plot development, or maybe it is really just an um an exercise in the ways in which we can have different styles of communication and be similar, but we're having um everyone's like tonal shifts are different. I feel like having watched this episode of Gilmore Girls, that was something I wondered. I was like, do we often talk like this? Is it like, is is it is it faster this episode because of just all of everything that Lorelai and Rory have to do? Or is this sort of a, a thing? I love exercises in different forms of storytelling. I just don't always connect with all of them. But I do think it's intriguing. I do think it's interesting to do the walk and talk when you're not walking and talking in a very busy situation. You're walking and talking around town in I keep saying exercise because it is to me. I mean, my my studying brain is on. It's like if this were a class and we had to do a paper on Gilmore Girls, I would talk about the means in which dialogue says a lot about a character, especially how much words you can fit into a sentence and the way in which Lorelai uses humor to deflect. Because that was all throughout the episode. I think this episode is really emblematic of what the show is like because they do a lot of walk and talks Lorelai talks really fast she's stuffing in obscure references like the line that always gets me I don't even know what it means is when she makes some like Visigoth reference with Suki and she's like well else am I gonna use my Visigoth material and I'm like how do people like this show like it's so (laughs) random and (laughs) ridiculous and it just kills me I don't even know what it means like that's just Lorelai to me like she's so like there is 
it wasn't this episode. I'm also watching Gilmore Girls too. You guys, my TV habits are chaotic, but an episode prior, or no, season two, she, Rory and Lorelai are in the kitchen and they make some really obscure reference and she answers the door and Luke's there and she continues the reference and he's like, huh? And she's like, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, the way that Lauren Graham, I'm I like, I really want to know. And I don't know if anybody's ever asked her this. Like, I want to know if she looked up these references because there's no way she understood all of them but like did she have to like look up these things and like since Lorelai knows what they mean did she like go in and like research what is this a goth like what is that what is she talking about so that she can make it believable that Lorelai knows what it like that's just something that I think is so it adds another layer to the show because the dialogue is so that they have Gilmoreism pamphlets with the deities that explain their references <laughs> So I'm like, it's it just adds. I know a lot of people don't like that style of writing, where there's like a lot of illusions and pop culture references and things like that. People don't like that, um, but I think it adds to this world and this character mm -hmm. that Lorelai really was a student of pop culture when she left her parents' world, and I think it's something that makes her different from them too, because it's like. She throws out this random quip at dinner and everyone's like, that's ah, just Lorelai. Like, <laughs> I think it says something about her character too. Like that that's what she turned to. She has that's what her knowledge is. She didn't she separated herself from her parents and her in that in that life, didn't go to college, but she was watching TV. Mm -hmm. And I love that for her. <laughs> and th I think that's the thing that's that it's very much a character trait with Lorelai because she probably ha by far has the most dialogue of the whole series and not just because she's one of the lead characters once she starts talking she doesn't stop but like I, I, it makes me think I would love to see a script and see what it's like there's probably very little action lines and just a lot of dialogue um they're probably thick right <laughs> right um but that's the thing with her and like Lauren Graham does it so well um because I know this was a very very comedic episode but the show also does drama really really well she, like because Lorelai is such a like humorous character and you almost think in certain ways things don't phase her Lauren Graham is such an amazing cry face at the moment Lorelai starts welling up you're like oh no oh no I didn't sign up for this even though you did sign up for this <laughs> Lauren Graham doesn't need to shed a tear <laughs> to make me feel what's on her face right right that woman yeah. just slayed me for six years on parenthood because there's something yeah. Lauren Graham. I say this a lot on this podcast. I'm sorry, everybody, but there's this face that Lauren Graham makes where you can just like, it's such a bittersweet, like pre cry face. Yes. Like, Don't do it to me. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she takes like inhales almost. And you're like, Oh God, it's coming. Um, but this it's, is, it's when she's watching Rory graduate high school. Yeah. That her not blubbering, but her preparing to just the, the, emotion you can see the pride on her face oh my god it just kills me this isn't even in the episode we're talking about really <laughs> <off>. <laughs> you, you knew with us it would be a gilmore girls fest um but yeah uh this is this is the same show that has had me like leaning over the couch laughing but at the same time like my hands over my face crying the show is like whatever it does it's the most unusual blend i don't know I, I i like the word used sabrina study because i do honestly believe the show will be studied for a lot the longest of times it shouldn't work overly over, overly a huge amount of dialogue and television can be boring very little things happening can be boring and yet this 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 work of art this unusual work of art find the perfect blend um 
And that certainly makes it an acquired test. It's I know Gilmore Girls is all about coffee, but let me use my tea reference. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. It's going to be a very specific person's kind of cup of tea. It's my cup of tea. It's Reed's cup of tea. It's millions of people out there a cup of tea. But I and do that understand that. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I can't believe people like the show. I love that they do, but I'm like, it's so specific. Yeah, it's almost like a cult classic almost. And it's not, it's probably the most popular cult classic out there. But like, yeah, to be one of the biggest shows of all time, the most popular shows of all time, and have such cult classic qualities about it. It really says a lot about what kind of unusual beast it is. I think though, just to stay in class, because this is what, like, that's where my brain went to with with Mm -hmm. watching and discussing it with you guys, is this... You know how they always, and I know people get annoyed when they hear it in um, creative writing courses, but the, you have to know the rules to break the rules. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious they know the rules uh, mm-hmm. because we are moving at a breakneck speed. But the minute Lorelai finds out that Rory applied to other schools besides Harvard, particularly Yale, everything just stops. It gets really awkward, really fast. It um, The way that the actors are playing, the, the, even still providing a little bit of humor with the conversation being translated in French for, for the guest who cannot, who doesn't understand English. It, it just, it really works in the way that you like, you take the pressure out of it is having Lorelai leave, but still maintain attention because her mother goes to see her and you already know that's going to be a fraught conversation. I felt like as someone who doesn't really understand the dynamic between Lorelai and her parents, I was like, you kind of want to hope that they didn't manipulate their grandchild into opening the door to Yale when she hadn't considered Yale. But on the flip side, um, when she, where Lorelai feels like, well, they pushed you, they manipulated you and that you wouldn't even know it. I was like, yeah, but children pick up on trauma too, Lorelai. If you've talked often about how you don't want her to be at Yale, how they would force her into Yale, Rory's also going to feel like even if she wanted to go to Yale, she can't tell you that. Mm-hmm. Because it would feel yeah. like a betrayal, and I don't know if that comes up later on. I don't know if she actually does want to go to Yale. I know she does go to Yale. She does go to Yale. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a I, Yale. I don't think came up until this season. Maybe Richard just like mentioned it because he went there and he really loved it. Um, but Rory had always had her heart set on Harvard. In the previous episode to this one, um, they go to Yale for some reason, which I don't remember. I should know why, but. In that episode, Richard like springs a meeting with one of like the admissions people at Yale on Rory, and Lorelai did not like that. Um, so like this is really in the thick of Yale being a possibility. It's so complex this dynamic in this particular storyline, how Lorelai feels and. I know a lot of fans are split on the way Lorelai reacts to her family, rejects her family. Um, and I this this scene is so good because it's like nobody's right, nobody's wrong. It's just a whole mess of family emotions. And I even liked when Lorelai removed herself from the situation. She's kind of just like grappling with this and feeling this because she there's somewhere deep down that she's terrified of her parents influencing her daughter the way that she felt and didn't like and removed herself from like she's really scared of that and what that could do I don't know why and I think she knows especially in the scene when she's outside 
I think she knows that she's slightly overreacting, but she just needs to feel it because she tells her mom, which I really respect Emily in the scene because she's not looking up for a fight. She's just like, Laura, like, come, like, it will, it's mm-hmm. not a big, like, I really respected how Emily approached that. Didn't end up maintaining that, <laughs> that tone. <laughs> um, but I think in that moment, Lorelai knows, like, she's like, I'm overreacting. This is scary. I just need to feel it. I don't need to talk about it with every, I don't want it to be a thing, even though she made it a thing. So that's why I'm always like on the Lorelai defense squad. Cause like I can, I feel like I know her and I feel like I know where she's coming from. And I know she's not being a complete, like, I don't want to say drama queen, but I feel like people think she overreacts to her parents because one of the main uh, criticisms lodged against Lorelai is that she complains about having to go to Friday night dinners because her parents are paying for Rory's school. And I'm like, well, you would too. Like it doesn't, you don't have to like bend over backwards and be thankful. Like she is grateful to her parents for paying for Rory's school, but it's like something happened. And whether you think it's right or wrong for Lorelai to react that way, she feels weird about her parents in that world, in that house, living in that house and being beholden to their set of rules in their world. Like there's something there that really affected Lorelai. And however she wants to react to being caught in this cycle of like oh friday night dinners the strings were attached to that check (laughs) like it really impacts her and it's still a constant fear of um because emily says you're so i don't know what she says but she doesn't emily says you don't want rory to have any piece of us and that hurts emily and loyalize like yeah you're right and i know that's wrong i don't know it's just so complex there's no right or wrong it's just I don't know. I love those emotionally charged scenes because there's so much to unpack and look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, I of all the things on the show, obviously it's the 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 nice warmth of Stars Hollow is the main appeal of that show, but the complicated relationship between Ro- Lorelai and her mom is arguably as rich as everything else that goes on in the show because the Friday night dinner is an awkward situation that long-term brings them closer together but at the same time it awakens a lot of stuff that Lorelai had buried over over time and over her life and reminds her of a lot of things that the reason she wanted to get away from that world in the first place and you do see all of that the show is very much through Lorelai's point of view but as it goes on you also understand that while her parents made mistakes they're also people and they're trying to find common ground they spend the whole series struggling on it but like it was that was such a rich complex and yet authentic representation of that kind of storyline. And it's so so unusual, again, in a show as almost caricature-like as this, that it managed to do something with such depth as that, but that's the magic of Gilmore Girls. And it never stops surprising you. It never stops making you think. I also am on the Lorelei Defense Squad, but at the same time, I love Emily as a character. She is such well, so well-rounded and has so much depth. Um, and... Rory is closer to her grandfather, Emily's husband, Richard, but like she has a nice bond with Rory as well. And you can see even in this episode how that kind of draws on Lorelai as well, because she's afraid that Rory will get pulled into that world. That's one of the reasons I dislike some of the later seasons, because they actually do that. And I know every show has to eventually jump down the wormhole they've been trying to avoid the whole time. But like everybody has their own unique personalities some of them get on better than you'd expect some of them have years of uh, years of trauma they're trying to make up for and i think the thanksgiving episode was a perfect representation of that because even though it was hilarious for most of it some of the drama that came out was some of the best drama that's on the show 
And you're right, Sabrina, it does impact Rory because even in this episode, she's the one telling her mom, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like she's caught in the middle of this generational civil war <laughs> between her mother and her grandparents. And she's just trying to, I'm also on the Rory defense squad. I know people hate her and I'm like, girls just, you know, people are telling her she's a prodigy. She's perfect. I don't think she ever believed that. But when you're being told a certain thing, it's all, you know, you know, like people mm-hmm. think she's too privileged and she, I don't know. I'm like, she was dealt a certain hand raised by a single mother. She also has issues with her own father that aren't really delved into like that relationship was never really, I don't think explored in a meaningful way. I wish, I wish Christopher was in this one. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. early Christopher. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it it um, worse then, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, but it it does. You can really tell in this episode too. Rory's like caught between two worlds. Mm-hmm. It's sad. And like actually. you really, yeah. And you can't like Lorelai. You can't. I one thing I will say against Lorelai is you put her in this world. You put her in this private school in Hartford, where her parents live. And you can't be too mad at the girl for exploring her options past that. Like you put her in the world, but you can't say it stops here. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to graduate Chilton and you can't like, I don't know. Um, it's complicated. It's really complicated. I think it's, it's a tale as old as time about yeah. like the, the one who doesn't fit into the family who then has a child that does and is scared that that child is going to see the, brightness of what's offered to them and not see the darkness of being in a situation like that i feel like there's to me lorelei's weird delightfully weird but weird in a way that her parents cannot and refuse to entertain and uh, growing up that way it would definitely chafe and she's raising her daughter to know that you can be weird and awkward and um be you that's what i want you to do and she is being her but being her also involves being really similar to her grandparents and that's like mm-hmm. a hard thing to walk i think as a single mom too where i would be like do i deny her opportunities or put her in the same 10 situations that i was in like even do i am i being careful not to try to mold her the way that my parents tried to mold me i think it's a very like tight rope to walk i think she's doing fine Mm-hmm. from the one episode i've seen i mean the cold open is great they're watching something very obscure and then realizing, <laughs> and, then, and then realizing that it kind of mirrors their relationship and then they just start calling each other by the names of the two women that they were discussing in the film uh, later on in the episode i found that to be i found that to work i like their mother-daughter relationship i i Gilmore Girls is not for me, but I do understand why people enjoy it. And I do believe that people, if they're not studying it, they will study it. Um, because uh, you can definitely see through a line to how we even got to the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Because mm-hmm. it's the same team. I think Marvelous Mrs. Maisel took what they used in Gilmore Girls and spun it up in a way that just pops even more. And that would happen, what, 15 years later? Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't grown, mm-hmm. I mean, what are you doing? So like, you can really <laughs> see that they have grown and are able to do that. Uh, to move into ships, though, I've been waiting. Uh-huh. I 
don't have any. Well, actually, I did like Lane and David. I was like, can I spend more time with oh, them? This I is love very cute. Dave. Like, is there, I said, hi, Adam. Like, I he didn't read the whole Bible you. for Lane, and her mom was, <laughs> I think it was an episode before or something. He was like, I read the whole Bible, and I have no idea what you were talking about. And her mom was like, you read the whole Bible? <laughs> 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 like, Dave was down bad for Lane. It's so sad he had to go to the OC. But I know. We celebrate the OC, but it was sad that he had to leave. Oh. well he's <laughs> great i really the the absurdity of the way that they're trying to date one another he's played that works. guitar for five hours and got 20 bucks in a in a to-go box of t- tofu turkey 20 bucks she paid him <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that lane is like she liked you i was like man it's five hours what is this Bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> like what four dollars an hour oh is that what and math he- is he didn't even get to do anything. I don't know, actually. Yes. It is $4. Now, I just can't lie. I, her mom also made me laugh. I did enjoy her. She, like, In real life, that would be awful. But in, mm. in this show, it really, really works. As far as Jess and um, Rory, it's a no for me. Uh, it's just... A, <laughs> I... Please don't come for me in the comments, but I didn't see the chemistry. (laughs) And, you know, to be fair, it's like two to three one-off scenes, very little context. It's like their first episode as like an official couple, too. Okay. But his attitude wasn't it for me. Yeah, that's that's Jess. Okay. Because when she pulled him away so that they could kiss away from the front window of the grocery store in which her boyfriend works. And he's like, well, he's going to have to get used to it anyway. I was like, yeah, but you don't have to shove it in his face, especially when she left him for you. Mm -hmm. Like, just be kind. It. What I had told you on the chat stays true. And like, it just, <laughs> it truly just belongs on the cover of The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. It just, he was just, so cute in that scene, though. Like, Milo Ventimiglia was so handsome back then. Oh, he still is. But like, in that scene, I was like, oh, okay, model. Um. <laughs> he is, he's a young leading man. Very true. I, I, I was like, Milo, I get it. I do. But I'm not seeing it between <laughs> their characters. Maybe in another episode. And, and Lorelai, also- like, hey, I, that when they're eating dinner at Luke's and Lorelai's just like, lame kiss. And like, get him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, ma'am. Uh, but this, the scene I could have done without, though, uh, was between him and Dean. I was like, Jared, if you don't go mm. on somewhere, what is this? <laughs> Dean, it was stolen valor. It was misplaced confidence. I'm like, Dean, what are you doing? You're not yeah. fooling anybody. Like, what? I know he's trying to egg him on and bait him, which is exactly what Jess said. Is like, if you throw a punch at me, Rory's gonna, you know, she's gonna blame me and it's gonna look bad on me, so I'm not gonna buy this but like dean he he doesn't act like that i'm like where did you get off like, he got yeah, one conversation dead. from lorelei who was dean. great <laughs> <laughs> um i said about the gossip girl one and that i remembered almost everything that happened and this is one of those gilmore girls ones i absolutely remembered everything completely forgot that scene happened that was like that never happened to me um so when it happened i was like where are we going with this it's getting very dark why are we going down an alleyway what's going to happen here and he's like, like oh right just taller than you right. like, calm down <laughs> sir. it was like the scene everyone's avoiding because jess just turns around he's there in the corner um my the, the the paranoid voice in my head was like, if this was any other show, Dean would be in the corner watching them. I didn't actually expect that to happen. I forgot that happened. Um, but like, 
Yeah, the fact that Jared was still in the opening credits from season three onwards meant that Dean was still a regular character. And Gilmore Girls does that weird thing where if you're a regular character in the town, all you have to do is interact with the Gilmore Girls for one or two scenes and you're a series regular. But it's wild um, that people like like Kirk was a main yeah, cast Kirk. member for the whole series. But like I feel yeah. like there are characters that had more screen time and bigger roles than Kirk. Right. I think he didn't deserve to be there, but I'm like, it's, it's so funny who they pick and choose. To yeah, he had, he had very little storyline. Exactly. Um, And that's it, because now the, the purpose of Dean existing, and I like really liked Dean and Rory's relationship early on in season one. So the fact that he was still there, I, so I understood why he was promoted in season two. So the fact that he was still there in season three when the Jess and Rory thing happened so early into the season, I was I can't even remember what Dean does for the rest of the season. I know he pops up here and there, but it's I I I'm not sure I call that a series regular role, if you know what I mean. Really I don't like know if he's in the rest of I know he pops back up in season four because he gets married. Yeah, he has a more pivotal role in season four, and he's not a series regular in that one. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I really like the scene between him and Lorelei because Sweet, it felt very like sweet. it was fine. It felt very final. Like if he never appeared in the show again, 16 year old me would have been like, this is weird. Of course, they would have bumped into him. But now as someone who understands writing, I would have been like, yeah, well, there was no purpose for him in the show again. That's fine. But like, so he, they did find purpose for him. And I'm not sure it was the right kind of purpose if for him to continue sticking around. Um, and the relationship between him and Lorelai was, I thought it was very effective in this episode because it also kind of juxtaposed the relationship between Jess and Lorelai, who did not he get on. Him. Yeah, they did not get he on. And you don't really <laughs> see it in this episode, but there's that awkward, hi, how you doing? When they sit down, they're like, they're literally having Thanksgiving dinner together. Your daughter is dating him. And it was so awkward, like, hi, how you doing? And it was like, oh, they never knew each other. They just did not get along. And then the, and then the scene... <laughs> right before like he's going to throw out the trash and Lorelai's in the doorway of Luke's and they like pass each other and she just looks at him and she's like <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> total indifference I mean Milo does play the role really well though I'm it's giving a particular thing that millennials we know it right it's the it's the sort of rough one who's not actually that rough gives the energy like he comes from a big city but doesn't actually it's like, the brooding bad boy it's the dylan mckay it's the yeah, it's logan the... eccles it's the there's one more i wrote in a in an article i just wrote and i can't remember what reference i made <laughs> and it's like i get it maybe you'd grow on me but i'm gonna need you to take it down two notches just be kind to more people yeah. than worry like that's yeah. the, that's the other trope too. They're you, that's the, I think that's I think that's what is like the biggest draw because he's the fan favorite boyfriend. I would say largely, and I think it's because he it's the way he really does love Rory, but he is just like mini Luke, grumpy tornado. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> More power to everyone who enjoys the relationship. Um, There's something else I was going to say about this fight. Oh, I thought that. Um, Dean just didn't need to do that. I, the fact that he said, this is my town, is it's a town called Stars Hollow, sweetheart. Yeah. Why do we say that? Like, but also, just... Dean, in season one, he had like just moved to Stars Hollow. So I'm like, you've oh. been here for like four minutes longer than Jess. <laughs> oh, but that makes it even worse. But you know what? That's on point for teenagers, though. Yeah. I've been here for 2.5 hours. Oh, you stolen here. valor. I'm like, what are you doing, Dean? <laughs> Love Jared. Can't stand Dean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at least the teens look like teenagers. I believe them. Very much so. Like I know they're like early 20s. Um, but 
they did a far better job of convincing me than Gossip Girl did when it came mm-hmm. to the, them being teenagers. I felt it. I was like, yes, these are the teens on television that won't give other real teens a complex. The funny thing is, though, I did a, a post about the cast ages a couple years, a year ago. And I discovered that the actress who plays Lane is closer in age to Melissa McCarthy than she is to Alexis Bledel. And I was like, amazing. Yeah. Which, by the way, we haven't touched on Melissa McCarthy hilarious in this episode yes yeah she's just going full melissa mccarthy (laughs) (laughs) the way and i know it was that can you can you always tell when an actor breaks when she kicks her foot out at the in her last scene when she's talking about um enscotched or ensconced and and then she's like that one and they just laugh as if those were the actresses Amazing. And it was nice to see that the, I thought that was very in character, Suki, like losing it at the start because uh, she wanted to cook on Thanksgiving because that's her calling, that's her passion. And I mean, as three people who love what we do for a living, I can understand that even during a holiday period, you wanted to continue to do it. And Suki is a perfectionist in the kitchen. Um, so it was it was like she was like a fish out of water watching J- Jackson do what he did with the food. Um, but you know what? I, I I think that's the reason this episode really works because like with the Gossip Girl one that had a lot to take on, Lorelai and Rory walked into four different types of situations and you were totally under element in all of them and yet it wasn't like on any other show, all of these four mini plots would have been half-baked, underdeveloped and yet in Gilmore Girls you just went with it, you bought it, you completely understood that one of them was having to melt down over the fact that her husband was making the food in a way that she never would but you also understood that the the old-fashioned parents were inviting Lorelai to a dinner that she would never have been part of and that there was family drama that would be unearthed. Some of it was really low-stakes drama, we occasionally got high-stakes drama towards the end of the episode and yet that's just the beauty of Gilmore Girls, it all came together beautifully. It did make sense. It. I didn't. I did enjoy that aspect of it. It really just showed you the, a taste of all the worlds. Yeah, spectacular. Is there anything else though? Maybe I don't know. You talk all day <laughs> about this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's end it there then. Um, when is this coming out? This is coming out before Thanksgiving. So yeah, if y'all celebrate, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving day with your family's friends or found family. Uh, we're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.